The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, trainings, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guests today, Jessica and Brett Finley, are daughter and father and the authors of The Whole Body Microbiome, How to Harness Microbes Inside and Out for Lifelong Health. Jessica is a University of Michigan postdoc. She does research specializing in environmental gerontology and health geography. I have no idea what those are, but they sound impressive, Jessica. And her dad, Brett Finley, is the Peter Wall Distinguished Professor in the Michael Smith Laboratories at the University of British Columbia. I hope that all fits on a single business card. That's a long title. He's a leading researcher on uh, bacterial infection, and he's been studying microbes for over 30 years and published over 500 scientific articles. He's also the co-author of Let Them Eat Dirt, How Microbes Can Make Your Child Healthier. Their essay entitled, Uh Uh-Oh, Our Good Gut Bugs May Be Going Extinct, appears in the January-February 2019 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Jessica and Brett Finley, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thanks. This is going to be over my head and absolutely fascinating. You write in the, um, the, the, sort of the book starts with an optimistic tone. I'm just going to read you a sentence that you wrote. From the moment, (laughs) I, I say it's optimistic, let's see really. From the moment we are born, we begin to die. Now, I don't know why I said it's optimistic. That just sort of appeals to me. I'm approaching my 68th year of dying. And while it's true that I feel 34, the fact is when I was 34, I was just as fat, out of shape, and prone to stomach ailments as I am now. So the fact that I feel younger than I am really is no help to me whatsoever. What I'm interested in and what you guys are writing about in this book how can microbes help me turn that around? What do microbes have to do with aging and aging well? So Jessica, why don't you take that? Sure. Um, so it's the idea that we actually have a lot more control over our own aging than we ever previously expected. Um, and 
what this is coming from is one of really the oldest life form on earth, which is microbes. Um, there's a, a study that came out that estimated our aging is only about 25% genetic and 75% environmental. Um, meaning that just because your parents or, um, you know, ancestors suffered a particular condition doesn't mean that you'll necessarily experience that as well, um, depending on its genetic inheritability. Um, but really it means that there's a lot we can do to influence our longevity and well-being, Um, and that's thinking through the microbes that are everywhere in and around us. Um, just because we can't see them doesn't mean we're not there. They're affected by really our everyday activities and decisions, whether it's um, typing on a message on your cell phone, gardening in your um, backyard, um, what you eat every day. It's really influencing um, the microbes that are in and around us, which we're seeing has a lot of connections to many aging processes. So, I mean, this this is... is sort of cutting edge science I and mean, this is this is new i want to go into the whole what it means that i'm basically a heap of microbes but i was very attracted uh, brett to your your other book first let them eat dirt i mean the title alone uh, how, how microbes can make your child healthier i'm going to buy a copy of that and give it to my son and daughter-in-law because they are boy the, just the other day my three-year-old grandson likes to mimic things and he mimics our dog and the dog was eating a bone. So my grandson went and got one of the dog's toys and he's chewing on that. And I had to get that away from him before he, he took his dog act in front of his parents, in which, at which point they would have had a mental breakdown and had probably had to do an entire mouth. I don't know what you call it. He needs a new mouth. There's nothing you can do. He's, he's, he's really in trouble. I like the, uh, the idea of let them eat dirt. On the website, you say, Dirty is the new clean. And in the book, you write, one of the few certainties we have when it comes to the microbiome is that we need to become less clean in our everyday practices. So Jessica sort of introduced us to that. But, you know, Brett, unpack that for me. Yeah, sure. First of all, your, your grandson's on the right track, doing the right thing, <laughs> being encouraged. Because what's happened is that you know, 125 years ago, Robert Koch and Louis Pasteur showed that microbes cause disease. And Louis Pasteur showed if you killed them, you pasteurized them, they didn't cause disease. So society went on a major quest to get rid of these. So hand sanitizers, antibiotics, hygiene, um, sanitation. And the bottom line is we did great. Most kids do not get infectious diseases. But what we now realize is there's collateral damage. And we've been wiping out the microbes that we normally evolve with as humans. And what Let the Main Dirt really says is that kids do need this microbial exposure, exposures to develop normally. And something as simple as the fact is how you're born by cesarean section versus vaginal delivery, for example. C-section gives you much higher rates of risk of asthma and obesity because you miss out on your very first and best birthday present from your mother, which is basically a big bolus of microbes some as you enter this world. So... Kids need these microbes, and that's when Let Them Eat Dirt sort of says. And what, what this next book sort of continues with is that, as Jessica says, we are coated with microbes. There's at least as many microbes in and on us as there are human cells. And another gross but interesting fact is that one gram of feces, which is about the size of your little finger, contains more microbes than all the people on the entire planet Earth. I mean, the numbers are astounding. So they live on our skin. They live in our gut. They live in our mouth. Um, and what we're now realizing is that this is um, a normal relationship. 
and and they basically belong there and they're actually doing things for us and we didn't realize this before so as we clean all these things up we're now realizing that um, many of the diseases that we never previously dreamed of being microbes involved in they actually have a central role in this and that's what kind of part of this new book we're writing so one of the things that you wrote <clears throat> was skip the antibacterial soap so We've done that. So, you know, that, that I got the, the diet I haven't gotten to yet, but we'll work on that. We'll, and we're going to talk about it shortly. But OK, we got rid of the antibacterial soap. Then the other thing you write about is antiperspirant. So, I mean, I, as I read the book and, and the essay in the magazine, you know, I was looking at it from a very personal perspective. I mean, this is these are my microbes. What am I doing to them? And I remember back in high school, I, I had this constant sense of embarrassment because I sweat. I, I did, not longer, no, no longer, but back in high school, I, sweat, I was sweating very heavily, and I would use antiperspirant, which is essentially, from reading your book, putting aluminum siding on my, my armpits. So I stopped doing that, and now, now I don't even think I need deodorant most of the time. I, as long as I shower every day, I'm fine. But in our society, and here's the question, where we have taken the sense of smell and sort of turned it into a curse, I mean, we say, you stink, or it's a bad idea. That idea stinks. How optimistic are you that we can make this kind of change regarding deodorant and when, when we're, we're so phobic about odor? I'll yep. start with that one. Um, I mean, I think we're already taking strides. I mean, you made the example of the antibacterial soaps. We're seeing um, the CDC, for example, is recommending banning some of these antibacterial products um, such as triclosan, um, because they might produce more harm than good. So we're starting to see um, some growing awareness of microbes, not just being made to banish them away from our bodies and our um, everyday practices, but we're starting to see changes in kind of everyday spaces where we're starting to integrate them more thoughtfully. Um, so I have optimism that we can um, continue to embrace microbes instead of eradicating them from our everyday lives. Um, and I think that, as you said, this field is very young and it's rapidly expanding knowledge. Um, this book takes a pulse on the current kind of state of the field, but I think even in a few short years, we'll know rapidly even more and we can see more thoughtful applications of probiotic antiperspirants, for example, where we actually act on the specific microbes that are making our odorless sweat take on smell. So we'll develop even better products um, that we can see put out into market. And we're already seeing, for example, makeup products for skincare that include um, microbial additives. So I think that I'm optimistic that we'll see change moving forwards. Let me ask you this, Jessica. So I, I read a lot of science articles about transhumanism and, you know, sort of replacing body parts with, with synthetic, you know, moving from a carbon-based uh, life form to a more silicon-based life form. And we're changing, you know, I get new hips and new knees and all these different things. Do microbes exist in that environment? in the same way they do in a carbon-based environment? I mean, if I, the more we replace the, the normative organs of our body, does it mean the less microbes play a role? Well, when you get a hip transplant, I mean, there's going to be um, microbes that are at that surface um, as you're, you know, have a transplant or even afterwards when you're at risk for infection. Um, so I think that they're, there's, they're ever present in our practices. Um, 
what's 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 kind of cool about microbes is that it's it's not synthetic. It's going back to some practices that we've been doing for centuries. I mean, one of the um, kind of new and exciting technologies we talk about in the book is having fecal transplants to um, to treat certain conditions. And they've been shown to have even more efficacy than some of the other um, current practices out there. And this has been done, we know about um, yellow slurries that people took for certain ailments back in ancient Chinese culture. So we're kind of, um, in some ways it's not synthetic forward it's kind of going back to what is the oldest life form on earth so do you do you feel brett that there's pushback in science about that because usually science is about going forward and and sort of rejecting and, and as jessica said you know something from the ancient chinese how well is this stuff accepted no i think this stuff is being accepted very well because it makes common sense to most people that we evolved with these microbes and they're there to do things and we've gone out of our way to get rid of them. And we're now realizing this has had major effects. And, you know, the common examples I take is if you take the top 10 reasons why you're going to die, only one of them is obvious microbial, that's pneumonia. But nine of those 10, we now in the last five years have really shown there's microbial involvement in these things. We're talking heart attacks and strokes and Alzheimer's and, and diseases such as that. So I think people are really excited about this because it's pretty easy to change your microbes. It's pretty hard to change your genes. We still can't do that medically, but everyone knows if you change your diet or if you drink Guinness beer in Ireland for a week, you can see the, the end results, literally, um, you know, that your microbes do change. And so there's a lot of optimism that we can actually modify these things in beneficial ways without actually changing homo sapiens, but actually changing the microbes that are living in and on us. So it's a symbiotic relationship between us and our microbes. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. For the vast majority of the time, yes. I mean, there's only about 100 microbes that cause disease in people. And these are the ones you've heard of everything from plague to salmonella, typhoid fevers to, to Clostridium difficile. But most of the microbes, and there's thousands of different microbes living in on us, they're really there. We're a, a warm place to live. We are constant at 37 degrees. We feed them three times a day. We keep them moist. 
which is really important for lice. And they just, we're just uh, basically a vesicle for them to live on. But in return, we now realize they actually do things for us. For example, much of what you eat, you can't physically break down yourself. You rely on the microbes in your gut to break down these things. Or you're coated in on your skin with coated with many microbes. And these microbes actually keep away harmful infections. So if you scrub your hands a lot, you're much more prone, for example, to getting skin infections and things. So they do have beneficial roles. And you're right, we are, uh, the, the, the correct term is something called a hollow biont, which is basically us and all our 100 trillion microbes that live in and on us. And together, we're this, sort of this super being that, that is made of microbes and homo sapiens. So I, I want to move into, like you said, what we can, how we can change the, the microbes and, and you know, actually help them do help them help us with, with diet. And I want to go to that for one second, but I guess just a question popped into my mind while you were talking. The lifespan of a microbe, I mean, we're, we're far more temporary than they are. Is that fair to say? Well, individually, I mean, E. coli grown in a lab, it divides every 20 minutes, whereas Homo sapiens divides about every 20 to 25 years. So technically, on an individual basis, they divide much faster. But as Jessica said, they're very primordial. They, they basically built this earth. They built the oxygen we breathe. They built the atmosphere. They built um, all life forms because we've all evolved from microbes. So in a sense, they're, they're rather primitive in that sense, but they're incredibly adept at exploiting new places. I mean, they live in deep sea vents under the earth and at high pressure and high temperature. They live way down in rocks. They live pretty much everywhere. And so, in a sense, I think we're transient on this planet compared to them. They've been here for, for much longer than we have, and I'm sure they'll be here a lot longer than we ever will be. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. They're, they're sort of the indigenous population, <laughs> and you know, microbes and, and cockroaches will just be here long after we are. So let's talk about this, this um, Mediterranean DASH diet, or... or that's fair mind dash diet, if I, I've got my terms right. You, you write about this in the book, and, and it just made a lot of sense, but I wanted to have you unpack it for us. So, so Jessica, what, what is this diet that you suggest? Uh, well, yeah, I guess we could say you suggested. This is not a diet book, but tell us about the dash diet. Um, so, the, so it's the mind diet, and that's combining the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, which is dietary approaches to stop hypertension. Um, and so what researchers did was they tried to combine kind of brain relevant pieces from both of these diets that have had remarkable efficacy um, in, you know, helping people pursue healthy diets across the world, really. Um, and, and it's a fairly... Um, straightforward diet. But what we noticed when we were looking at it was that many of the foods that are recommended do have some microbiome connections. Um, for example, our microbes love to munch on leafy green vegetables and fiber-rich whole grains and berries. Um, whereas, you know, when we limit red meat, then we limit the opportunities for microbes to create harmful products that can lead to um, cardiovascular disease. And when you limit, we're also, it, the diet also limits some of these really refined sugars and carbohydrates, which really are not a great source of food for the microbes that are in kind of the stronghold of our large intestine. Um, and so we started to notice these connections and the early results from the MIND diet studies are just absolutely staggering. Um, 
in, in a large study that, or well, a median study that was done, it actually lowered the risk for Alzheimer's disease by 53% in participants who carefully adhered to the diet and 35% in those who modestly adhered to the diet. Um, and so that was a really quite a staggering finding to see in a published study um, and just had us thinking a bit further about some of those connections between um, our guts and our food that we eat and our brains. So tell, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned limiting red meat, limiting, you don't eliminate anything, I guess, but limiting red meat. Uh, I, I did some follow-up on, on what you were suggesting, and I, I think one thing I read said, you know, chicken twice a week, fish three times a week. What, what else can be, are, are, if you define the, the diet in practical terms, what are we eating and not eating? Okay, well, I mean, as Jessica said, I mean, the way I look at the mind diet is pretty much what you know you should be eating. Your mother said it's good for you. It's not good for you. It's good for your microbes, actually. Um, so, so Jessica sort of, you know, it's fruits, nuts, legumes, all the stuff that, ironically, you want these complex carbohydrates because these actually feed the microbes that then feed you. And you want to limit red meat. You want to limit dairy products, cheese, things like this, the, the high fat type things. You also want to stay away from very simple white flour, white sugar, which unfortunately is very dominant in our, in our diets. And the reason you want to do that is those are already broken down. So they're absorbed, absorbed by the body very early in the upper intestine. And as a result, they basically starve the microbes that are all waiting for more food down below in the, in the lower intestine where most of them live. And ironically, this is a major indicator of, of obesity because you shift your microbes towards those that basically cause more obese um, type phenotypes. So really, it's, it's a common sense diet. Um, you're allowed a glass of red wine a day, hooray. Um, and it's, it's certainly not draconian. You know, olive oil is good for you, avocados, all the stuff that you know is good for you, you know you should be eating. But really, this is just one more reason why you should be eating it, because not only does it affect cardiovascular health, it also affects brain health. Yeah, and it, 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 it sounds, I mean, I guess looking at it on paper, I mean, it, it looks like a very doable diet. When you say it's what your mother told you to eat, my mother told me to eat liver and meat, red meat and ice cream every night at nine o'clock. So we have, <laughs> that's why I look the way I do. <laughs> but uh, so, so do you both follow this diet or a version of this diet? I try my best to. I struggle personally with the dairy. Um, I love drinking milk and yo eating yogurt. So that's where I'm not as great at it, but the green leafy vegetables, whole grains, nuts, beans and berries, you know, I'm able to, um, I'm able to follow that fairly well. So did, can you feel a difference eating that way than let's say before you, assuming you didn't always eat that way? I can't speak to a scientific difference in how I am or how healthy my brain is. Um, but personally, I feel well when I nourish myself with these kind of whole grains and healthy fats. So it makes me feel better about myself. And, um, and I enjoy, I genuinely enjoy eating a lot of these foods. So for me, it's not a struggle to follow it. Um, but I do recognize that some of these foods are expensive and it might be difficult for some families to, um, you know, have fish once a week, for example, depending on what's available in local stores to them or even berries. I know out of season, they can be quite expensive. So I am aware that it might be more difficult for certain families families to follow this diet. So we're running out of time, but now that raises an issue that I, I think I'd just like to have you respond to quickly. And Brett, you can take this. So are you also 
working, well, you're in Canada, so I don't know how this works, but, but are you also working on food policy issues to make these, this kind of diet um, more affordable or more available to a larger number of people? Yes, very much. And ironically, just yesterday, they released a new Canada food guide, which is basically very similar to this diet. You know, half your plate should be vegetables, very little meat and try and keep it non-red meat. And, um, and it's, it's, it's getting an interesting response. Um, cattle farmers and pig farmers are not happy with it, nor right. are dairy farmers. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, so, so I think, I mean, I think the world over, the number of people decreasing red meat is eating. Another reason to do it, I don't know if you saw the planetary diet that was recently released to help decrease global warming. Bottom line is you're supposed to have one hamburger a week and one steak a week, a month maximum, just for the sake of what we need to do to keep, you know, global warming under control because red meat, not only not necessarily all that good for you, um, it, it's really bad for the environment because of all the methane gases cows release and the amount of land it takes. Yeah, the biggest threat to the environment is cow farts. So, so definitely that, that would have some impact on that. So I'm going to wrap this up. I want to ask you one final question. You can both have at it. If, if, people are listening, if people are listening to this and you want to give them one thing they can do to get started, Jessica, what would it be? Well, for me, I'd have to go with the three things, and I'll be quick with it. Okay. Um, the balanced diet, like we said, um, staying active. This doesn't necessarily mean you're out marathon training, but just moving around regularly throughout your day and then staying engaged with others. So having regular social contact with your family, friends, extended networks is really important for our microbes um, as well as our own well-being. Okay. Brett, I'll just yeah. quickly add, just see the world through, consider the microbes, they're part of you. So, you know, diet, exercise, social contact are key things. But the reason they're key is because the microbes are sort of this filter that they filter everything you see in the world through them. And so be conscious of your microbes when you take antibiotics, you know, when you use hand sanitizer, think about what you're doing. Yeah. Microbes are our friends. I guess that's the, that'll be, that's the bumper sticker I'll put in the back of my, back of my car. So th this is really fascinating. And as always, it's much too short. Our guests today, Jessica and Brett Finley are the co-authors of the whole body microbiome. How to Harness Microbes Inside and Out for Lifelong Health. You can learn more about their work at theexperimentpublishing.com and their essay entitled, Uh-Oh, Our Good Gut Bugs May Be Going Extinct, appears in the January-February 2019 issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Jessica and Brett Finley, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. Thank Great. you for having us. Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, training, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. Before we sign off, let me remind you that this year is the 20th anniversary of Spirituality and Health magazine. As part of our celebration, I'm leading an interspiritual tour of the Holy Land. This is part tour, part pilgrimage, as we engage in contemplative practices linked to the various sites we will visit, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and Baha'i. For more information, please visit us at spiritualityhealth.com backslash holyland hyphen with hyphen Rami. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and to download the iTunes app for this podcast. 
If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.